Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Dupree. And I'm Anna Landry. You are listening to OCR Talk. This is the podcast that we talk about obstacle racing instead of interviewing a bunch of elites, which is cool. It's cool that people do that. Obviously, that's a big part of what we do and why we love the sport, right? Exactly. But. But. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we like talking about it just as much as we like hearing about it, too. So for the, anybody that's just now getting into listening to us or have been catching up on the previous episodes, Thanks so much for listening. It's awesome that you're joining us, but we're excited to just talk about what's going on lately. It's been about a week and a half, maybe two weeks since we last recorded, so we're just, you know, what's been going on the past couple of weeks? Anna, how's it been going? What's, uh, what have you been up to the last couple of weekends? Um, well, I did another woe race, the Siege, out at Port Hudson, and it was a 12-mile trail race, so that was interesting because the... The course was marked the night before, but then some bad weather came through, and I think some of the flags on the course got washed oh. away or lost. Oh, man. So pretty much everybody, but I think one or two runners got lost on the course. <laughs> <laughs> so did you? Oh, yeah. Multiple times. <laughs> and actually, I ran the first six miles with Walker Higgins' niece, Lily, which she's like an 11-year-old trail beast. Oh, wow. I was running with her for six miles, and I'm like, don't let me slow you down. (laughs) (laughs) It must run in the family or something. But then, yeah, the next loop, I was on my own, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get lost. And I did. (laughs) (laughs) I did, but then, you know, it was was kind of an adventure. I just kind of enjoyed it. And I'm pretty sure if y'all saw my video on the OCR Talk Instagram, I was just kind of playing around at that point and <laughs> just enjoying the scenery. <laughs> nice. That was the weekend before last? Yes, that was a weekend before last. Yeah, I think I just stayed home and watched all the uh, Tough Mudder 
live footage, which was much better. You know, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's much better than it was the previous weekend. Mm-hmm. What about this past weekend? What'd you do? This past weekend, I had to be on call for my job, so not a lot going on there. <laughs> okay. But I got some training runs in, so. That's good. It was something. So there were a lot of races going on this past weekend. I, as well, didn't get to make any races, but I actually went and did some good training myself, and I actually want to talk about that as it's on topic in just a moment. But on Saturday, we went to the Kids Obstacle Challenge. You know, it's a standalone series that's just for kids. So we before we talked about the Young Lions Conquer Youth, the race that the David Main Prize and uh, Conquer the Gauntlet's putting on. So we talked about that, and they actually had, you know, we, we actually went and got to do this kids race, and it was pretty cool. It uh, They had some pretty good obstacles. I posted some on our Instagram page, and it was it was a cold day, you know, for how it's been lately. It was a little bit colder than we expected, and the wind was picking up pretty good. So we bundled the kids up and took off, and, and my daughter, Layla, she, first time that we had to go through water, it was a pit that they just had, you know, like inflated sides, and there was water in it, and there was balls from like a regular old ball pit in there like from mcdonald's or something <laughs> and so you'll kind of walk through that but then your sh- shoes are soaked and you know we we know what it's like we kind of get used yeah. to it running obstacle races but for kids there were definitely some kids out there crying and complaining <laughs> <laughs> i told layla i said just keep running just keep moving you, they'll, your feet will warm right back up and yeah. uh and she did fantastic that's awesome she didn't complain she enjoyed the trails it was at the same place where terrain race dallas was or terrain race fort worth that is and uh, they utilized it well. It was a mile and a half, which is definitely longer than you get at most of those kids' races at other OCR races. Yeah, it's so cool. There was one that was particularly challenging, I think, for kids. It was a rope swing over water. And now the water was maybe a foot, foot and a half deep. But since it was so cold, you didn't want to fall in there. And <laughs> it was a good little distance. I mean, I swung over it myself. And that was a cool thing about this race, too, is getting to do it with the kids. So instead of just helping them get over the walls, we were going over the walls together. That's cool. I got Layla to do all the other obstacles except for the rope swing, and I didn't want to risk her falling in the water and getting soaked. So I I swung over it, and then she walked around it, and then we watched the next girls that came through. And poor girl, uh, she swung low, and her butt dragged the water, and then she made it all the way across. And then, you know how it is when, you, when you're when you on a rope swing, and you get to the end, but then the rope kind of pulls you back, and oh, she didn't let go. <laughs> and yeah, so she she went back in, and ended up sitting down in the water. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I bet that water was cold. There was a little bit of mud at the end. There was a, it was a slide that went into mud, and the slide was real slow. So it was a very controlled <laughs> descent, getting down into the mud. I like that. I like when kids' races aren't just all about the mud, just getting messy. But like it's an actual obstacle course race, you know? Yeah. I felt like they had a, a good mix of mud and real obstacles that challenged the kids. And I think they, for their competitive heat, they actually gave away like some Razor scooters or something. Or maybe That's some cool. skateboards. They had a competitive cool. heat. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, because especially older kids want to get into the kids' races and get competitive with it. But it's like the, the Spartan kids' races and everything, you just run it as many times 
as you want, but, you know, they don't have, like, a competitive version. Yeah, and it it is neat because, you know, some of us get into obstacle course racing for the fun, and some of us get into it for the competitive side, too. So that is awesome that kids kind of get that option, or they're getting that option from an earlier age, whereas we we got into it as adults, so it's nice <laughs> to give them that option from early on. And this is something, like, baseball and football, typical sports, you, you really don't do much with it unless you go to college and play it, which means you have to be really good or, you know, to take it even beyond college, you've got to be extremely good to get on like a pro team or even a minor league team or something. Otherwise, you got to find like a fun league where you play softball or dodgeball or something like that. But with obstacle course racing, for any kids that are growing up in it right now, they can do it for the rest of as long as they want. They don't have to be that kind of adult that got into a sport and then they always talk about it like, oh, yeah, I used to do this. And then they get old, let themselves go. and Yeah, reliving the glory days. <laughs> right. This is something that they can, if they get into it, they can do it for, for the, <laughs> until they're 70, 80 years old. Yeah. I hope I'm doing it when I'm 70 or 80 years old. <laughs> yeah, well, we all hope that it's around that long. <laughs> it's going well so far. So far, so good. Both you and I have kids. I have a six-year-old and a almost two-year-old, like a one-and-a-half-year-old. My kids are older. My my kids are twelve and eight okay. right now. So this year, later on this year, there'll be thirteen and nine, which is crazy. I'll have a teenager. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> when they were younger, did you train and run back then? I did not as much and not as not as intensely, I guess, and not as consistently. Okay. Um, I would just go for walks or runs around around the neighborhood or around the park or something like that just kind of casual things like that. Okay. So let's let's talk about it now. Like both of us are really into obstacle racing. Both you and I both have full-time jobs and we have kids. Even wanting to be competitive, it's it's tough to find the time to uh, train and whatnot. So let's talk about that for a moment. What do you do to to train and make sure that you're getting in the the training that you feel like you need to be competitive? Well, yeah, definitely it's it's definitely a hard balance because and I think most people with kids who are competitive in this sport can probably agree because you want to be competitive in this sport and you want to train at that level but at the same time you want to be able to spend time with your kids and not feel like you know you're sacrificing your time with them for doing something you love yeah so yeah that's something that kind of stays in the back of my mind a lot if I'm training a lot one week or something like that, I'll try and I'll try and get my kids involved a lot. A lot of the times, you know, they watch me. They can jump in whatever, whenever they feel like it. On a typical day, I'll get up before work and I'll go for a run and come back and get and they're already getting ready for school and you know eating breakfast and everything like that. And then so you do the the early morning runs. Yes, I do okay. the early morning <laughs> runs. And then sometimes I'll do like some strength training in the afternoon or in the evening whenever I get home from work. I haven't been as consistent with that as I'd like to be, but now that it's get, kind of getting a little bit closer on in the year and the season's kind of creeping up on me, <laughs> I'm trying to get back on the ball with that. That's pretty much a typical day for me as far as trying to incorporate training into my day but at the same time like be able to spend time with my kids and they watch me they see me doing workouts like in our living room or in our backyard or sometimes they've come to a couple 
training weekends out in Baton Rouge with the battle group. Nice. Yeah, everything's very family-oriented, so, I mean, they can jump in whenever they want. (laughs) (laughs) And they have, and they loved it, but, you know, I don't try and push it on them, but I try and make it enjoyable whenever they do want to jump in. Cool. And I definitely know that the the balance of it that you're talking about is the most important thing. Like, it's great that we get so excited about OCR, but even people that don't have kids, when they talk about, you know, they go from doing one race to three races to like 20 races, and then they get burnt out. So even without kids, balance is extremely important. So with kids, particularly, uh, you know, this is your family that you're talking about and the, the kids that you're raising. So it's even more important to make sure that we do have that balance. And with a spouse, it's the same thing. It's all these people that are in your life that's important that you maintain a relationship. So you can't close yourself off to them. And you got something that you love and they've got things they love. So it's a trade-off and a a, a collaboration. I I definitely know that having a, a partner that is supportive is extremely important as well. You know, having somebody to to say, hey, if you watch kids while I go run this weekend or at this time during the day, then you can go do your uh, exercise or whatever their thing might be uh, later on in in the day and trading off that way. And then, of course, making the time to do stuff as as a whole, even if it's just going to the park and walking around or something, even that's good exercise, good for everybody. But myself... I definitely don't have that get up early every day and run mentality. I know that works for somebody. It's awesome that that it works for you. After work is really tough for me too. Like when I get home, I've tried and I cannot stay consistent with it. Where I found my consistency is that lunch. So when I go to work, I pack my my bag and uh, some days I go to the gym and some days I go for a run. Typically makes me pretty sweaty for the rest of the day, but that's what works. You know, it limits the uh, number of miles I can get in in a day, but it's what I've got to work with, and and it works for me well. It's 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 caused it's helped me to be to keep being consistently getting better over the years. So I've been enjoying it and don't see any reason to you know I'm not going pro. I know that's not going to happen, <laughs> so I don't <laughs> I don't need to quit my job and work out all day long. If only, right? That's the dream. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that I mean, yeah. Where's our uh, sponsors for this podcast? Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean, I think what you said about consistency—you just have to find what works for you, like whatever right. your schedule may be. Whenever I worked night shift, it was a completely different thing. I would actually, after work, um, whenever I was working night shift, I was getting off at seven in the morning, so I would come home, bring my kids to school, and then go work out before I ever even went to bed and then I would sleep the rest of the day until <laughs> I had to go back to work later on that night. So, I mean, it's just finding what works for you in your schedule. And I know for me on the weekends, it's, it's a little different. Like on the weekends, I'll, I'll go for a long run at least once on the weekend and getting up early works better. And it might just be because I live in Texas and <laughs> you know, the heat, especially in the summer is just insane. So uh, running in the morning, you know, I'll get up and, and try to get on the trail even before the sun comes up and try to stay out of the sun as much as possible. Yeah, that's a great motivator to wake up early. <laughs> it is. It really is. It's funny. It's like never in my life would I have thought I was going to start waking up to go put in 10 miles, you know. It's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> before we talk about some races, uh, let me share where I did go actually run this past weekend. So like I said, on Saturday, we had that kids race. And on Sunday, that was my long run. So yesterday, 
and I decided to go out to the 50 Fitness Ranch out south of Dallas. It's in, actually in Rice, Texas. Uh, it took me about an hour to get there from where I am in Euless. It's an older guy who has a, a, a ranch. He's got like 150 plus acres of land and got into uh, racing a few years ago and wanted to get better. So, you know, he had the land and decided to uh, build his own stuff. And the course is about five miles. I posted a bunch of pictures from the Instagram page uh, this weekend. And yeah, they got some cool stuff out there. He's real friendly. Like you pull up in front of his house and the dogs come out and come greet you. <laughs> Donkeys running besides the road, you know, it's like the full deal. Running through the woods, there's uh, some paths that are just like cut mode, uh, wide open spaces, but then there's other spots where you're running trails through the woods and crossing creeks and getting up to your shins and knees in the, in the water. Really cool place. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I've seen pictures of that place. That looks really cool. Yeah, really pretty. You know, blue bonnets just come out, so flowers are, are real nice looking. They're actually having a race in, in two weekends. So not this coming weekend, but the weekend after. Be their first race ever, because I think they've just only been open for maybe since last May or something, uh, maybe not even a year. But that's a a local permanent course, and that's really cool that they've done that. And, you know, you hear about some of those around the the country, but down in Louisiana, I, I can't think of one. Other than maybe stuff that people have put in their backyard, like Emily and Rich uh, Rochelle, they had some a pretty good setup in their old backyard before the, the flood. Yeah. Is there anything permanent around the area to go to? Not not really. The only thing that offers like any anything close to like obstacle training would be probably the ninja gyms. Like there's um, Nola Muscle Park down in Kenner, and there's Gym Fit in Baton Rouge. There's not very many of them, but as far as training grip strength and obstacles, those are usually the best places to go. Sid used to actually have the same same setup before the flood. Oh. So that was kind of our playground for a little while. <laughs> That's really ideal to have enough land to set up your own course and just kind of run it and simulate a race and train like that. Mm-hmm. That's ideal. That would be pretty cool. Out here, Mo, Mo Borset and Miles Keller, they the guys from Link Endurance, they have kind of set up a um kind of permanent course over at the DFW Adventure Park. It's a place where Concord Gauntlet has had their race the past couple of years here. So it's only about a mile and a half course, but you can you know you can run as many times as you want and they've got like sandbags and like a little small rig and, and it's pretty good, but you know, having something that is being worked on and, and maintained all the time is really nice. There's another place that I haven't been to yet called Jailbreak Ranch. Because there's a race called the Jailbreak Race. And they're having a race there. I think it's just on a a place kind of like the Adventure Park where it, like it was like a ropes course type thing. And then they threw in some obstacles to make it a obstacle training place. And, and it's only about a mile and a half too. So the 5.0 Fitness Ranch, they, they really got a leg up with the quality of their obstacles and just the, the sheer amount of land. And as the guy was telling me, he's got the numbers marked on the obstacles with different lanes. So if you want to do a beast length course and do it three laps, there have numbers that say one, two, or three on the different obstacles. So you can choose to do those. That way you're doing slightly different. You know, the obstacles at each station are still the same, but you might get a little different setup for each lap. 
I think there's like almost 30 obstacles per lap. So wow. <laughs> if you do three laps, I mean, I did, I did two and got in 60 plus obstacles. Wow. Uh, Cause I actually, that's a, a really extra, good idea but... though, because I mean, people are training for different length races or, you know, they might just run multiple laps because they're training for endurance races. That's really smart. You don't hear of people like thinking about that, those kinds of things, but that's pretty smart to put that on their course. I'll have that to report about in a couple weekends, how that race goes. I know it's going to be a smaller race, so if I push myself, I've got a, a chance of possibly podium. them. Uh, that'd be pretty sweet. The question came out from Sid asking, what do you think about races having to follow each other or do their own thing? You know, we were talking earlier about races, so many of them are taken from each other nowadays. I mean, even Sid has the Dragon's Back, which is an obstacle. I mean, that's not what he calls it, but, you know, it's basically the same setup. And that's something that came from Toughest in Europe. And more, the more time that goes by, the more, that's, the more we're seeing this. You know, the more we're seeing race companies take one obstacle from another race company or incorporating a penalty style that another race uses. You know, instead of doing burpees, other races are starting to do penalty loops. I mean, even, even Spartans incorporated penalty loops into theirs, and that's something that Battle Frog was going to do, I think they did it at one race right before they, <laughs> right went, before under. they went <laughs> That's the question is, what's good for them? Is it better for them to have their own design to be completely original? Or is it good to take after others? I think it's good to take from other races because then, you know, you have a lot of these racers that go to a lot of different, different kinds of races and different brands. You got Savage and Terrain and Rugged Maniac. So... It's good to have some familiarity so you know kind of what you're going to expect running the course, but at the same time with like the penalty loops. I like the penalty loops versus just doing burpees all day long. Not just because burpees really <laughs> suck, but just, yeah, penalty loops or even like a penalty obstacle, like the log flips or something like right. that. I think that to me, that's a better penalty than just doing burpees. <laughs> Because, I mean, you can have you can have different obstacles that have the burpee penalty, but, you know, it doesn't have to all be the same. Yeah, and to me, that's the, that's the real truth to it, is that it doesn't have to be the same, and it doesn't have to be different. It can all be, it can be its own thing. There's a little bit for everybody. Like, I love that, you know, Spartans got its burpees, but then other races like World's Toughest Mudder have penalty loops. But then you go to toughest in europe and they've got a elite lane to do an obstacle or a completely different obstacle as the challenge version and if you fail that then you have to do a penalty but if you do the regular version of the obstacle then you just have to do an extra obstacle after there's just so many different ways you can do it and having those options available as far as races go that's what i like i like seeing different races just being different and just picking one thing that kind of lets them stand out in this sport whenever there's so many races to choose from, you know, your mind kind of goes back to, oh, I remember doing this at this race and it was different from all these right. other races that I've been to this year. So I want to go to that one again next year. Or if a race is even constantly changing their obstacles or um, putting new spins on them, like how Funky Monkey turned into Funky Monkey the Revolution and mm -hmm. um, Wheel World turned into Wheel Wor World with the, with the rope going across at the end. Things like that, I think, keep the racers coming to your race. It, it does make it fun to me. 
doing this exact same thing over and over isn't as fun. I, I, I know innovation is a big, like that topic always comes up, and it seems like whenever people start talking about obstacle racing. And to me, it's just, I, I do love the innovation. I love how it changes. I love, you know, trying, it, it's a constant challenge or goal. You know, let me try this new distance or this new obstacle or having something to shoot for and something else to try, something new to try. Yeah, I can see why people want, would want obstacles standardized because you kind of want everything the same across the board and, you know, having all the athletes try and compete on the same level. But at the same time, I'm kind of under the same mindset that, you know, this is obstacle course racing. This is, you know, adapting to the unexpected. That was pretty much what drew most of us in whenever we did our first obstacle course race. Yeah, that is something that always comes up is that's what, that's why we fell in love with it in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, there's people that want it to become an Olympic sport. So that's why they want the standardized format. That's fine for those races because you can still push yourself at those races and try and continually improve. But at the same time, you have different races that are coming out with new obstacles or harder obstacles or more challenging things that are constantly trying to get you to push your limits. Now let's take it back to kind of comparing to other sports. People will watch football till the ends of the earth, probably, but people don't play football till the ends of the earth. You know, like people will get out with their kids and play and, and but you talk about like serious athletes and people that do it for fun even you're not going out every weekend through your 60s <laughs> and playing football. It's just not going to happen. And I, I think that's where obstacle racing stands out, that it has that longevity because of the reason why we all fell in love with it. You know, the, the TV aspect of it and the, the spectator part of it, if that gets standardized, okay, that makes sense. It's easier to film, it's easier to coordinate and judge and all that, but for the people that right now are bringing in the money, which is the participants, I think the innovation is important. Once it gets more into the broadcast side of things and the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the main amount of money is coming from, okay, go ahead and standardize it and do what you got to do to bring in that money. Yeah, and I think once people get get used to you know, what a race has to offer, if they don't change it, then they're like, well, I already did this race last year, so I think I'm going to go find a different different race that does happen yeah it, sure. it does happen a lot if you've run a sprint last year you're probably going to run the same type of sprint the course will be different of course but you know you're probably going to run into the same kinds of obstacles in a different city just with different scenery it's kind of a toss-up now talking about races that innovate i think battle ocr is one that we have seen over the past couple of years some great innovations from. So we've talked about Sid a lot. He's, you know, a, a friend that we know through. I mean, I met him because of racing, right? Is that how you met him? I met him um, going to a workout. I think it was for one of those Spartan Revolution workouts. Yeah. So Sid Morris, what, the past two years have put on, like the first year he put on just one race, I believe. Mm -hmm. In Baton Rouge. Yeah. And then this past year he did three. We've talked about the obstacle density in these races before. Really cool setups of different obstacles combined together. So this this guy is constantly innovating what he's doing. 
Let's come back, kind of focusing on one race this year to maybe try something new. So we'll we'll see what's uh, coming out of it. But I know he's got a lot of ideas. And uh, when is that race coming up? It's July twenty first. July twenty first, and it's going to be in St. Francisville, which is for those that don't know, is just hour north of Baton Rouge. Yeah, if maybe. that. Basically, same area where they held Warrior Dash whenever it was in Louisiana. Oh God! Speaking of which, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the place where the uh, <laughs> that dome shaped uh obstacle yes. fell over yes oh man and yeah i remember That's running through. Topic <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I remember we ran through it and we ran through twice and the first time i went through that during the competitive wave i was like this thing isn't gonna last <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's a whole nother topic <laughs> I guess there hasn't been much about that in the news, so we'll just leave that yeah. where it is for the moment. <laughs> but yeah, SIDS, SIDS races are very obstacle heavy. There is running involved. There's a running joke in the group how it's, he always says it's three-ish miles, three-ish <laughs> being anywhere from three to ten miles. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's more like three-ish being anywhere from four and a half to seven. Right. <laughs> Like, there is no three in there anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) There's no three in there anywhere. But there is a lot of obstacles. Whether it's just, like, cargo nets or rigs, it's pretty obstacle-heavy for people that like those types of races. There is some running involved, not too much, but, yeah, it's going to be definitely taxing on the grip strength. Yeah, I know people compare, you know, people talk about Conquer the Gauntlet and say that it's one of the harder obstacle course uh, as far as upper body and grip strength goes one of the more challenging ones for sure i think that battle race is comparable the only thing that battle race doesn't have is a pegboard and a pegboard in its own right is very very challenging so that that's the only reason why i would say that maybe it it's not as hard as conquer the gauntlet but when you take into account the the ridiculously long bucket carries that he does and <laughs> Some of the other heavy carries mixed in with some of the very challenging rigs that he has. <laughs> I think it might be one of the harder ones. Like, I wouldn't say Battle Frog hard, but pretty darn close. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And that's the thing about his races is he's always going to be trying to challenge you because he knows you can do it if you try and try hard enough. Or, you know, if you can't do it the first time, you go back and train and then you come back and you do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, his his rigs are insanely hard. <laughs> I don't think I've I don't think I've gotten the multi rig at any of the battle races. Actually, I think really? I think I made it halfway through last year. But then, you know, since I was running multiple laps, I was like, I I can't blow out my grip strength on the on the first lap. So I just took the penalty. Yeah. Loop. So you know, <laughs> I mean, you try every single time, but it was pretty hard. It was pretty rough. That rig that they usually have towards the end is always the, uh, or it was always the the Force 5 stuff. Mm-hmm. So you got like straight bars mixed with the cannonballs and all kinds of other stuff. So yeah. Right. And that last race in Baton Rouge, those were hanging from a chain instead of being, you know, rigid. Mm-hmm. So that made it even more challenging. Yeah, because every time you pulled down on a, on a hold, it would sink down with the chain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... So, I mean, it was a pretty short chain, though, too. And, yeah, it was it was pretty difficult. And those stupid nunchucks. I hate those nunchucks. <laughs> I have... I, Daniel has some that we train with, but I still hate them. Yeah. 
<laughs> Jeez. Yeah, they're they're tough. Now I know it's uh you know, it's taking place in the dead of the summer in Louisiana, South Louisiana, and it's gonna be hot. We know that. But from what I've seen on the course, it's gonna have a lot of creek crossing and that it's like a sandy creek too. It looks it looks nice and it makes me hope that there's a lot of it. Oh, you know <laughs> there's the probably going to be yeah. <laughs> You know there's probably gonna gonna be at least a few creek crossings. Yeah, because otherwise we might pass out. Like that's where you go you go lay down for a minute and then keep on going. Right. <laughs> right. So like hydrate now <laughs> in preparation <laughs> for this race. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that one. But let's move on. Tough Motor Miami, they had much better live footage. They had an orange couch that Matt B. Davis and E-Rock sat on and did their live stream from there. So, was, you know, the Facebook live stream, uh, it went pretty well, I'd say. They had Funky Monkey back to normal over water. <laughs> they did it all weekend, which was cool. They did Saturday and live streamed the tougher and then just talked and showed the regular people coming through for a while. And then the next day, they did... Tough Motor X. And man, I don't know if you got to watch any of that, but E-Rock was losing his mind <laughs> whenever, especially when the girls were going, because the girls had just had a really close race between uh, Corinna and this newer girl, Sarah. But the top four girls were were pretty darn close, and they were they were going nuts. Uh, have you listened to the latest, some of the latest Upschool Racing Media podcast? I have. <laughs> on my on on a few of my runs did you hear uh matt b davis he made some jokes about himself and the way he was responding to corinna running down the trail i didn't hear that no i must no i must have missed that part <laughs> <laughs> it was funny because he kept he played over and over actually he did it on that cbs video he did it over and over where he uh she was running down the trail and he was like look at look at look look <laughs> look look at corinna she just Oh, she's just amazing. Look at like, <laughs> like he was so excited and so amped, but like he couldn't find the words. Yeah. Well, he said he said he gave away his crush on. Corinna. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the girl's a beast. <laughs> that was pretty comical though, but yeah, Hunter and uh, Corinna both took it away again. I'd say the girls' race was a little closer than the guys' race, but they're working hard. You know, that's what they're planning on is to take that championship again this year. Yeah, Hunter is definitely a force to be reckoned with in TMX, I think. Yeah, and I'm sure you heard that he announced, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but he announced that Broken Skull Challenges got canceled. I did hear about that. And he was like, oh, yeah, breaking news. <laughs> yeah, Broken Skull is, is canceled, so he won't be on that show anymore. So, I mean, he has more time to focus on training for this. Yeah, but that's changed his focus on what he's doing. Absolutely. So, obviously... TMX is similar, but still different. But, you know, his, his focus has changed. Yeah, and listening to his podcast with Benny, I know his workouts are very, very centered around simulating kind of a TMX environment where, yeah. you know, you're just lifting heavy and you're doing as many reps as you can until you just crap out. He is definitely going to be the one to beat this year. People, guys are going to be gunning for him, but I don't think it's it's going to take a lot for anybody to come close. I think they're they're going to try. I'm sure the live footage that they had was good, and Spartan they've had their live footage past couple races too. They're for their uh, national series, and it's been it's been better. I think I can't say I saw the that long 
gap of no no runners this time like they'd had back in San Jose. Yeah, in Seattle. I liked how they had staff like running with the or trying to run with the elites. Yeah. Um, you know, they had they had them running the trails, filming the the elites running up those climbs and coming down the downhills and they really caught a lot more footage. I yeah, I felt like there wasn't a time whenever I didn't like wonder what was going on or it was just kind of dead. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of some of the footage that I've seen from Toughest. I actually, um, in 2016, while I was up in Canada, they actually had the Toughest Championship was happening that same weekend. And they live streamed it on some random site where you could pay like two bucks and watch the live stream. And so, you know, it was nothing. So I paid it and watched it. And it was very cool. It was a lot like that, where you had people running the trails with cameras. So, you know, this is something that they've been doing over there for a, a while and it seems like Spartan's finally starting to catch up which is very cool. Yeah, it makes it more exciting. It makes it just feel like you're watching a race instead of just watching the start and the finish. <laughs> but man, that race looked rainy and and cold and so I think people had some trouble on huh? Yeah. That race looked miserable. <laughs> I saw um <laughs> I saw Rhea, she had her bleg mitts on and I know a lot of people were saying that you know, the temperature was definitely a factor. Have you seen the video of the guy swimming through the barbed wire crawl? <laughs> I yes, think, he, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think was he an open heat um, runner, but he was like so. wading through <laughs> mm-hmm. under the barbed wire. It's like, huh. He would kick and push yeah. and just kind of glide for a <laughs> yeah. ways. Like that's a different technique. <laughs> that's a good idea though. <laughs> yeah. They were all putting jackets on after, after they got at the end of the race for sure. Oh, I couldn't imagine, but that's the conditions that you, you have to train for. You're never going to have a perfect race day. Now, speaking of live streams, OCRM, they had their live stream for the City Challenge obstacle race. This was pretty cool. It, it's They had like a, a nice little booth set up where they had their, the announcers, where they were set up and they had, you know, little lapel mics and they had a, I saw a picture of the camera that they were using. looked really nice. Uh, so it looks like they had a pretty good setup. Now, I didn't, I couldn't find like a stream of the race itself. I saw them talking and I saw some footage of just like the rig during the open heats. Did you catch any of the actual race? I didn't catch any of the race because that's all I saw too. I, I saw the beginning whenever they were about to start the race and they were kind of leading up to it. And then whenever I watched it again, it's like they just had the camera parked at the rig. And I didn't really yeah. see like any any course action, like any people coming through a certain area of the course or things like that. So if that was out there and we were mistaken, you know, somebody please let us know. But it seemed like that's all we saw. Now, the video looked great. The, it seemed like their mics weren't on at first. I, I don't know if they changed that, but it seemed like you could hear way more background noise than them. So yeah, this is their first time doing it. Obviously, the, everybody's got room to grow every time they do something for the first time. So good on them for getting out there and, and trying to get this going. Hopefully, they get their bugs worked out and just get better with everyone. Yeah, definitely. But I think what, what you're talking about with the with the sound, it almost sounded like they were too close to the loudspeakers because you could hear that bass from the music that they were playing and and they would be trying to talk, but you couldn't really understand what they were saying sometimes because of all the background noise. 
Possibly so. And if, if you got the right kind of mics, you know, that, that should alleviate that kind of stuff. But who knows? That could have been it. Could have just been maybe we were only hearing the sound from the camera. I'm not yeah. sure. There's a learning curve with everything. But I like I like the setup that they had. The only thing with the, with the um, camera that was set up on the rig was the picture-in-picture. Picture. The picture-in-picture picture was really big. Was it, it was. It was really big because <laughs> I was watching that, and I'm like, I can only see the people that are going on the right side of the rig. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was it was cool to have that, but I don't think I don't think it was necessary to just like have it left up there. Yeah, it was just a little large. It could have it could have just been smaller, and it had just been yeah. fine. Hopefully, they keep going and and just get even sure, better and better. It's a good start. I like where they're going with it. Savage Race in Houston, they got delayed a lot due to the lightning storms that came through. I don't know how late they started. Uh, I know you said Daniel Britt was out at yeah, the Yeah, so Race. he was kind of keeping me posted. They were supposed to start at 9, and they kept delaying it because around 8.45, there was some pretty close lightning that was coming towards the course. So, you know, for the safety of all the racers, they delayed it and they kept delaying it because they were watching this storm. And for a little bit, it kind of seemed to clear up. But then on the radar, you could see another storm cell coming in. So oh, wow. they didn't actually start the pro wave until I think 12.30 or 12.40. <laughs> oh man. So it was pretty late in the day. I'm and you know, with those storms coming through too, it was windy and it ended up being really cold. It just made for even though it was later on in the day, at least it wasn't, you know, you didn't get the Texas heat or anything. But yeah. oh my goodness. It's <laughs> true. Well, good on everybody that had patience and, and stayed around and waited for it. That's that's because obviously, you know, when it's a safety concern, you can't get upset about that. That's just the way it is. The fact that they, they held on and still put it on. For sure. That, and they were giving away free deferrals because normally to defer a race, I think there's a $30 charge to defer your race, but they were giving out free deferrals for people who couldn't, you know, who couldn't stand around and wait. You know, they had other obligations. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. So yeah. that was really cool of them to offer that to the racers. Good job, Savage. Yeah. Getting stuck on a course whenever a storm is coming through is no fun. <laughs> Not just the rain, but I mean, you know, these obstacles are set up on metal scaffolding. And I mean, you just, weather's just so unpredictable. I remember Austin last year, we got pulled off the course or people were getting pulled off the course because a hailstorm was coming through and there was lightning and all this. Yeah. They were stopping people and saying, you can either wait here or you can just go ahead and go yeah. to the finish. Or pass yeah. Cause up. I remember yeah. I was just coming up on the spear throw and they were starting to to pull people off course. And there was this staff member who was yelling, don't touch that spear. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they were, they were diverting everybody to just run around the obstacles. So last topic I want to talk about is something very cool. Have you heard of Perform Elite yet? I saw it. I saw your post about it on Facebook and I kind of dug into it a little bit. I've never taken a pre-workout before. I, I've, I've kind of been the type that's thought... You know, if my body is not capable of it, then I don't need to use it. You know, I, I kind of stuck to that mentality, but also partly just because of the way some of the pre-workouts that are out there, I hear people talk about them. It's like they give me the jitters or it just gives me an insane amount of energy and I, you know, crash after. And it's like a lot of bad stuff. And, and after hearing some podcasts about that kind of stuff, it actually, I think, validated a lot of the concerns I had with that kind of stuff. 
you know, they may be putting stuff into these things that isn't necessarily all that good for you, or they say it's good stuff, but they only put a little bit in it, and it's really not doing you any good, even though they say it is. So I've been very hesitant. I'll say that. I've been hesitant to take anything, really, to enhance my performance. I've tried, like, Beat Elite, and can't say I really noticed anything, but after I saw Rhea Koble talk about Perform Elite, that's what got me to give it a shot. And she said that she used to feel sluggish in the first couple of miles when she'd go on long runs. And I've kind of felt that before too. You know how people a lot of, a lot of time will say, it takes me a few miles right. to get warmed up. And she's up. an ultra runner. Like she comes from an ultra running background. She started taking this and it's and, and mentioned that it's for endurance racing. And so it's like, okay, well that's the part of obstacle racing I like, the longer stuff. So uh, let me look into it. And then right after she had mentioned that on ORM, the Link Endurance guys had the owner of Perform Elite, which is uh, actually the company name is Enduro Elite. And he was on there and he actually got went into depth about what it's made of, how he's trying to be very open about what's inside of it and and talked about some of the more details about what it does. And the main things that got me interested is saying that it's got caffeine in it, but the way it's in there is it lasts longer than caffeine normally does. So instead of like six, it'll last like eight hours and you don't get a hard crash from it either. So that interested me quite a bit. So I tried it and my experience with it has been really good. The funny thing for me is not only do I feel good while I'm running, you know, that's part of it. I wouldn't say like I feel like supernatural <laughs> or anything, but I feel good. But the biggest thing for me that I've noticed is that normally I've I've always said that I've got like a mild narcolepsy. Like after about four hours of being awake, I get a hard like I'm going to almost fall asleep. And <laughs> so I tend to take a nap at work. You know, if I get tired and I'm sitting there trying to fight through it, it doesn't do me any good because I'm not being productive. So I'll just stop, lean my head back, take like, you know, 10, 15 minute nap. And once I get through that, then I'm fine. And that's where this stuff has changed. Like, that's what the biggest things that I notice is that I'll go work out at lunch. Like I said, I'll take it, you know, 30 minutes to an hour before. I'll go run, go lift or whatever, and then come back. And then my afternoon, I'd say nine times out of 10, I'm awake and alert for the rest of the afternoon, well into going home and playing with the kids and all that, instead of being the opposite, nine times out of 10, getting having to take a nap yeah or getting home and being completely wiped exactly so that's where it's really made a difference for me is that long lasting effect of being awake and alert and like ready to go and i don't feel jittery either you know it's not like taking a couple of shots of five hour energy or something like that or drinking red bull or something because that stuff does make me jittery for sure so i i i, I gotta say it, it's been working for me and i just bought my second can of it and I'm going to keep trying until I feel like it's not doing anything for me anymore. But for right now, yes. I, I like it. I, I'm pretty leery of the pre-workouts too, just because I don't like that jittery feeling. And, you know, being a being a cardiac nurse, I just, I've seen way too many, <laughs> way too many young people <laughs> just, you know, run into all sorts of issues whenever, especially taking workout supplements like that. 
And I know the Beat Elite, I used to use the Beat Elite as well for just for my endurance stuff, strictly for my endurance stuff. I know some people take it, you know, before their workouts pretty much every day or three times a week or whatever it may be. And I know it has a different mechanism, like it works in the body differently. So there's no caffeine or any kind of, I think, well, I think there might be like some caffeine from like green tea extract or something like that the way it works in the body is supposed to be different than just having the caffeine yeah. be the primary uh, stimulant in it. That's pretty interesting because the Beat Elite hasn't been working for me as well as it used to at first. At first I did see an improvement in my endurance, like a tolerance for my endurance, but I feel like it just burned off quicker now. And just a taste. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah. the taste, oh, it's like, you know, you have to mix it in four ounces and just shoot it because <laughs> there is no sipping on it. <laughs> Speaking of taste, performally, that's yeah. one of the best things about it is it tastes really good. Like some people have said it tastes like Fruity Pebbles. Huh. I, I wouldn't say exactly Fruity Pebbles, but I would say it's pretty, pretty darn like a fruit good tasting. Punch kind of flavor or it something. Is very flavorful. Yeah, that yeah. seems that sounds like a little bit more tolerable than beets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if there's a yeah, if there's an alternative to where like you know what's in it. And and that's a very cool thing. I was just watching a video about the the guy that runs the company saying go check out these websites where you can compare these different things that are inside of this that we put into it and do the research yourself and make sure that it's good because that's what we want. We want people to you know, we're proud of our product and we want everybody else to be, they want people to not just take it just because they're, they're bros and that's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think that's with any supplements though. You should. Is this the nurse <laughs> but, coming yeah, out of don't. me? <laughs> just educate yourself <laughs> on what you're putting in your body. <laughs> well, Ryan Woods would tell you that as well. So <laughs> that's a whole nother story. <laughs> Speaking of Ryan Woods, I don't know if you've listened to the latest Obstacle Dominator podcast. I haven't had a chance to because I want to sit down and listen to it in its entirety. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go listen to that one. Not not the one about the uh the Battle Frog, the the most recent one where Ryan Woods is on there. Man, they crack so many jokes about him <laughs> taking drugs and and just being the most foul-mouthed <laughs> and drug-taking OCR racer out there and it's it's hilarious. <laughs> oh man, I those three Benny Hunter and Ryan. Oh my god, yeah. like I could only imagine what kind of shenanigans they get into. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one for sure. So, yeah, I plan on using that performally when I do the toughest race for sure. Toughest mutter south coming up here in a few weeks. But before we go, also just talking about longer races in general. You know, a lot of people get cramps when they run longer races. I don't find that I do in my legs as much as Battle OCR we, we've talked about how hard his races are. I get cramps in my forearms at those races. Not any other yeah. race, just his, just his yeah. races. I've had the cramps in the forearms. Yeah, I, I can't say that I've cramped in my legs too much. There's a very rare occasion that I'll get a cramp like in my calf or in my hamstring, but it's very rarely. But some people get them bad. And that was one of the questions that Chris uh, Cusack had asked us before is, what do you do to help prevent that? And honestly, I'm a heavy salt eater. I, I like in my food, I, I mean, I'm from South <laughs> Louisiana. I love the heavy salt Flavor. and just, 
I need some, I need flavor. Yeah, I need lots of flavor. And salt is a, a good flavor that I like, and so I'll eat a lot of it. So I always kind of, I, I don't know for sure, but I always kind of contributed to why I don't get cramps so bad because I, I didn't take a lot of salt. And when you're running a lot, it's it's good for you. You know, you, you might have something better to say about it as a nurse, but to me, and the research that I've done is that when you are putting in that much miles and that much work, that salt is actually working for you instead of against you. Yeah, all day long I preach watching sodium intake and, you know, the heart-healthy diet and sodium restrictions and everything. But these are people for that are not athletes. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you're out there running and you're out there working and you're sweating and you're losing salt and other electrolytes and, you know, salt and potassium and magnesium and all that is important. And the more you're depleted, the more taxed your muscles are going to be and all that lactic acid is going to build up and it's just going to take a toll on your body. So it's really, really important not only to hydrate on a regular basis, but hydrate with electrolyte replacement too and have that in your in the back of your mind because you can only take in so much water until the water dilutes all your all your electrolytes. And you're already getting rid of a lot of electrolytes whenever you sweat. So, you know, if you take in too much water, it's not going to really do anything. So you have to replace all that. Yeah, some people like to shoot pickle juice or take salt tablets. Some people like to use things like Tailwind. It's supposed to be really good for that. Take in tabs, putting a tab in your, in your water pack. You know, all kinds of different ways to do it. But I, I, to me, that seems like the answer is just make sure you're getting that salt and that uh, the electrolytes into your body yeah i've seen people do salt packets bring salt packets with them um the mustard packets and any kind of sodium intake is going to help um sodium or potassium magnesium whatever just electrolytes not just salt it's probably a, yeah. <laughs> a larger factor i used at the last battle ocr in mandeville i used hot shot because i had gotten mm quite a few of those on like a special they were running. I tried it out. <laughs> Don't try anything new on race day, but I, I broke that rule. <laughs> but I mean, they use something different. It's the capsaicin, I think, in peppers. And that's supposed to help with cramps in your legs somehow. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember how, but I, I read up on it and I'm like, huh, that kind of makes sense. It's legit. I'll try it. <laughs> um, but I mean, it tastes terrible because it tastes like, <laughs> it tastes like you're taking a shot of Tabasco without any of the flavor, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> something like that. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really cramp up too much during a race. So, but on the occasion that I have, the salt packets and the mustard packets have helped me. Now, another thing that people usually have issues with on longer races is blisters. I actually noticed uh, Mike Stefano on uh, the Obstacle Racing Adventures podcast. They were talking about recently about getting blisters because they were at the Fit Challenge doing the 12-hour race. And I think some of them even said that they were getting blisters like on the first lap. For anybody out there that has any issues with blisters, one thing, get some good socks. You know, like Mud Gear obviously makes amazing socks. I'm sure there are other plenty of other options that are good sock-wise. But the biggest thing, especially when you're going long, long distances, is just lubricate your feet. Whenever I did World's Toughest Mudder, in the new, the, the, they had a Facebook group for people that were new to World's Toughest. And that was one of the biggest things that they said is 
get lubricant. You know, they gave a couple of different options. Uh, I think I used gurney goo and just lather your feet in them. Now, I know where my hot spots are from just knowing myself, so I know where to put it. I don't have to put, I don't have to cover my entire foot for it. For World's Toughest, I probably will because it's a 24 hour <laughs> right. race. But, but for like pretty much anything over five miles, I will put uh, a little bit of lubricant on those hot spots. And I literally have not had a blister unless I forget hmm. to do it. I, I mean, I don't get too bad at blisters, but for the longer races, like you said, the socks are a big, a big factor in that. Yeah. Um, and but, shoe, of course, too. Well, yeah, of course. You want a very well-fitting shoe. So if you're doing a longer race and if it's a, like a multi-lap format where, you know, you have a gear drop where you can come and refuel and whatever, I also like to have extra shoes and socks because... Having a backup is good. Right. Yeah. In another Facebook running group I was in, uh, one of the guys is running his first Ultra Beast in New Jersey. And that's what I told him. I was like, the most valuable thing I think I had other than all my fuel and hydration in my gearbox was probably extra shoes and socks. Because <laughs> after a while, that's what tears up your feet is the constant friction. And then they're wet or sweaty. or. And that's where that lubricant helps is that there, there's no friction. Yeah. Cool. That's. I think that's going to wrap it up. Is there anything else you'd like to say? I don't think so. I think we covered a lot today. <laughs> We did. It, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a long topic list, but uh, it was some good conversation. I enjoyed it. For sure. Everybody, thanks for listening. If you if you did, if you, we got like 150 uh, listens on the first episode, and each episode since then has been getting about 100. So, you know, the people that are listening are coming back, but we haven't really grown beyond that. So are you enjoying listening to us? Go ahead and share that with people that you know that enjoy this kind of stuff. Help us get the word out. and. Follow, listen, and talk. We'll see our talk on the Facebook page and Instagram. Yeah, we'll try and keep everybody updated on what's going on as far as races go. Awesome. That's it. What's a what's a good tag out line? We already said the follow, listen, talk. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Right I don't know. <laughs> Take it easy, everybody. Bye, y'all. Say hello. No. Bye.